Here we are back another week of Right at the Fork, and we thank you all for listening and sharing the podcast with us, um, or with your friends, and sharing it with us, and we move on. And today we're moving on to actually my past, a friend of mine who I happened to, when I moved to Portland, after I was here for a little bit, found out that he was here, and at the time he was doing a barbecue at the uh, Beaverton Farmer's Market, and since then... Jeff Reidebach has opened up the Homegrown Smoker Barbecue food cart, and he has been carrying the torch for veganism in Portland for a while, and uh, thought he would be a perfect guest to have here, not only because we share a common background, but also more importantly for those people in Portland listening, that he has a business that um, has doing really well. And is very interesting and uh, represents a segment of our food market that's very important. Um, so I'm really glad to have Jeff Reiterbach here, here with us today. And um, I think you'll enjoy. Don't forget to share or subscribe to our podcast. You find us right at the fork. If you found us through some other means, we're on Facebook at uh, right at the fork. And we are on Twitter as Food Podcast PDX. So please follow us and share with your friends and and even your enemies. Well, thanks. Well, did you go to Wildwood for their... I went last night. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty... What a shame. Yeah. I was... remember doing their business review when I was at Cisco. Man, that guy can you know, Was Dustin were... there when you were there? Uh, it was a core. It was at the early days. Early. It was. Uh, well, he's been there 16 years. So. Oh well, then maybe he was. Yeah, but it was the owner who came. Right, Corey Schreiber. Corey. And I had to cook for him, and boy, was I sweating. I was just sweating. You know, he could care less. He, he came in and he goes, "Oh, that was really nice of you to do that, but really, I'm not going to probably eat any of it." <laughs> so that was your. Um, yeah, you got to talk a little bit about selling Cisco to Portland. Do I have to? Uh, do you, you know have that they to just purchased the next largest distributor in the country and now own over 80% of food distribution? The closest other guy owns 4%. Wow. Which is probably FSA. And so who was it? How big was Cisco before that purchase? Uh, you know, I don't know because I've been gone since 08, but they've always controlled a huge portion and 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 that's really when I was there that's when they started like they bought all the meat companies the quality meat companies around the country Fulton Meats mm-hmm. here in Portland uh and a bunch of others that I can't remember the names of anymore but uh around the country standardizing their meat program I mean it's a good idea they're not dumb people no. for a corporation but monopolies don't serve anybody right so uh how you know Cisco in Portland to me is a little bit like oil and water. Um, how do they? Do, and I don't want to have a long discussion about Cisco, but I'm just curious because most of the uh, restaurants and uh, are, are purchasing food from, directly from farms from the producers. They're producing. They're purchasing produce and some meats, like Jeff at. Uh, See, I don't eat meat anymore. It's been so long. I can't remember any of this. Jeff over at the guy he has I think it's affecting game. your memory. You're just, yeah. You need more protein. Yeah, I need more something. <laughs> uh, you know the guy who sells all the wild game? 
Oh, Jeff Latham. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, he's Nikki a great USA. guy. He's a great guy. Nikki. That's the. I want. I, you're on record as saying Jeff Latham is a great guy. I'm glad to hear that. The, the well, guy promoting guy. veganism in Portland. Well, I do promote veganism, but you know, to each their own is always my thing. I just hope more people eat less animals. It's the environmentally right thing to do. Yeah, I it's don't... not sustainable. But you know what is. <laughs> so, <laughs> what uh, what drove you to uh, that line of thinking and to decide to do a business based on that? On on being vegan? Yeah. Or just, you know, the sustainability and... Well, that's my favorite You know, you story. were working for Cisco for years ago. Yeah. And not to and, keep bringing that I up. And I was but, a meat salesperson. And if you, look at your, if you look at your history, man, yeah, you sold meat, you were... Toured when I moved into Portland, houses. you were at the Beaverton Farmer's Market with, you know, real heavy barbecue. Yeah. Meat. And now that's... You've... You figured out a way, not figured out, but you found a path to serve delicious food that does, that almost tastes like that or tastes like that, uh, but doesn't have meat in it. Well, you know, when I decided to stop eating animal products, I wasn't about to give up barbecue. Not a chance. I had an 18-foot barbecue pit trailer, Texas style, called Gator Pit, made in Houston. Great barbecue pits designed for cooking lots of animals. And I, you know, I was in the job market. I didn't want to take a job that paid way less than I was earning in the same exact business overnight. So I just thought, you know, I got that big barbecue. I've been doing barbecue a long time. I'll do a barbecue stand. And I was still dabbling in meat a little bit then, but I was pretty close to on my way out. And so, you know, we're developing this business concept of maybe doing chicken and ribs and sausage, easy, faster cooking, smoked products, right? And a couple vegan items. Both my kids were vegan and really influencing how I cook. And, and then, you know, as they continued to influence me on how to cook for them, because at home I do the cooking. I think most chefs are in the same boat. They come home. They Actually, cook. I hear a lot of chefs where they—that's where they get their break. Dude, not in you my, didn't. I mean, I mean, my wife's a good cook. Don't get me wrong. And what she, when she cooks, it's great. But yeah, I usually do the cooking because I'm fast, and it's easy for me to throw together a meal out of an empty refrigerator. You know. Uh, here's the thing about vegan cooking and how it changed how I perceived that approach to it, and. I've been cooking since I was 14 years old, you know, starting in the restaurants in the town I grew up in. And well, by the way, I just need to ask. So uh, Darian, what restaurants? Not the people in Portland, oh, I don't know, but I Oh, need... no. Mackenzie's. Do you remember Mackenzie's? Yeah. That was one. Uh, the one that was owned by Ruben. Uh, Plank House? Plank House was my first one at mm-hmm. 14 bussing tables. I seem to remember that name. but It okay, was over by the Grand Union. So, all right, so back to, <laughs> back to Portland. I just you know, I have to indulge myself in a little <laughs> well, That's okay, man. Here. That's our connection. Right. Uh, well, anyway, you know, I was really burnt out on cooking. I'd been doing it for years. You know, there are always new ingredients coming around, but really, you know, it was just kind of redoing the same cut of beef, piece of veal, boar, whatever it might be. It was always animal-based, too, for some reason. Even the vegetables had animals in them. Mm -hmm. And 
when my kids started went vegan and you know they had already gone vegetarian and i was like that ah, piece of cake i was vegetarian for a long time tons of cheese cream butter ah, easy right then they went vegan and you know not knowing a lot about veganism and what products are available out there i was like okay how am i gonna make cheese or at least something that feels and eats like cheese and how am i gonna do cream and butter and how am i going to replicate certain meats because you know i'm still thinking i gotta eat barbecue you know of all the foods i was i've been addicted to in my life barbecue has been my passion for probably 20 years and uh that was a tough one right so anyway so i had these plans for this barbecue pit to open the business and was it a cart or was it just a no it was an open trailer with a big giant barbecue built on top 18 feet of barbecue mm-hmm. uh, it could hold a couple hogs it, it could hold enough to feed a thousand people easily mm-hmm. and it was fire you know log foot powered with an offset fireplace and big black thing with shiny stainless pipes and it was really cool and we started with that on the corner of alberta and 23rd with pop-up tents and coolers uh, I remember that. I remember a last, of, a last Thursday there trying to, couldn't even get to you. It was crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and it's good that you didn't because the food was not the best quality that first last Thursday, that's for sure, because we couldn't see. You know, I'd open that thing and it was dark out and I'd be like, I wonder if the Mac is ready because I'm cooking Mac in the smoker, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was interesting. It was really difficult. Uh, but, you know, that was the beauty. Getting back to the whole vegan thing is is the beauty of going from being a bit burnt out on culinary arts and starting to cook vegan food, it was challenging. It was really challenging. Cooking, I can do in my sleep. Vegan cooking, at the time, took a lot of thought and a lot of work. And how do I make these traditional foods that I've always enjoyed vegan and, and I, I remember you doing a lot of uh, just hints of a lot of experimentation and being very excited when you finally got to something that worked yeah it was and uh the the final experiment that got us to this to open this concept was it was my son's birthday we had the ideas in place but we hadn't actually you know formulated them they were just ideas and so his birthday was coming up and i was like well you know what if i tow the trailer over to your house and we do a huge barbecue dinner for all your vegan buddies and and see if they're receptive to it. And we used a bunch of, you know, store-bought products like sausages from, uh, uh, oh, what's their name? Well, I can't remember now. But anyway, sausages, meatloaf, uh, tempeh, tofu, and these are all stuff you can buy anywhere put some rub on them, did some marinades on them, just like you would do traditional barbecue, and threw them in the smoker. And that was received really well. And we did traditional sides as well, you know. And the question at the end of the party, or when I was done (laughs) and ready to leave so they could party, was uh, would you guys pay money to, to come and eat this at a food cart? And they were resoundingly positive about it. And that was really what did it for me. Uh, that got us going. And, and that, that was that also 
part of the reason for opening up over near PSU is that you were you had cooked for that age group or that, that was, demographic. That and, was a huge part of it, and that was after we had gone through our first year, which which was really only about eight months, and we went through that season with the open pit barbecue, and I just went, I can't do this anymore. It was minimalistic cooking at at, and it was cool, but it was really hard, and. We sold that pit that winter and used that money to build our first actual food cart. And then we put that up at the 4th and Hall pod, which is a great pod and still is. A lot of great places there. Portland Soup Company is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we stayed there for, let's see, one, two, two and a half years. And... Uh, at that point, our business was growing, and it wasn't still great, but, um, you know, I, I was able to pay my employees and, and buy product and pay the rent, and so it was it was paying for itself. It had become a hobby, okay? Right. And that's and, what I hear from a lot of food cart owners. It's It pays for itself, but then at some point, when do you, how do you advance your life? Well, I'm trying to figure that out right now. Still. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think you've been at that since high school, my friend. Well... Yeah, I have been. I'll be doing that until yeah, I think until we all it are. ends. We're all right? trying to do that. Yeah, but uh, that was a great location. We really enjoyed it. That was exactly why there's a lot of young people there, and and not that young people are the soul of you know veganism, but a lot more of them are are really hip to it. And occasionally, I meet guys that have been you know vegans for thirty, forty years, and I'm just like, wow, you're a dinosaur, man. How are you still walking this earth? Well, because he's vegan, that's how he's still doing it. But I just meant like, I never even heard of people eating totally plant-based diets when I was a teen. I I was I was vegetarian. Smoking it maybe, but not. not. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's, yeah. Lettuce is interesting when you smoke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. We have to digress. Yeah, I always do. Uh, well, so anyway, that was a great spot. But after two and a half years, we decided it was time to try to expand to the east side because there is a v- huge vegan community over there. And, you know, for us, that's important. And a lot of them didn't want to come across the river into downtown. The statement was always, hey, I don't ever do anything downtown. And so we built a second cart and we opened at a new pod called Green Castle. And that was in 12. And 2012 was a difficult year for everybody, whether you had a cart or everybody in food service, that's for certain. That was just one of those years, kind of like 08 was difficult for everybody. Mm -hmm. 2012. Why was 12 hard? Why was that particularly? I really don't know. Was it a weather thing for the? You know, I really can't pinpoint it because I know all I know is our sales were way down, and so were a bunch of the other carts. And what's interesting is, is that's right when the new dorms at PSU opened, and 900 captive students, a block and a half away. We all were expecting a positive impact from that, right? And it really just didn't quite gel in that fiscal year. So we got through that winter, and it was tough. And a bunch of other carts on that lot. I mean, when I sold my cart, there were five carts for sale. I think one other sold, and the other guys ended up toughing it out because they didn't sell. And and now a couple of them have two carts. 
So it was just that year was a really bad year. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had the two carts and I had been doing the two carts for about nine months when finally my family came up to me and asked me to please stop doing it because it was really physically taxing and it was beginning to affect my health. And, uh, you know, so you draw the line. Mm -hmm. The health is and family is always where we all draw the line. So I had to make a decision. It was a hard decision because we did reach out to the community uh, for funding through Kickstarter to help build that second cart. And, and they paid for about a quarter of it. Uh, and they all got something in return, mind you. But it's just that thing that, you know, you're asking. Well, and it's you're, a community and you're, investment. And you're a, saying we're going to have two locations. And not only that, it's not just a food cart. It's really something near and dear to people. People are living the vegan lifestyle or eating vegan, that's, that's, that's an identity for them. So if you're doing that, it's not just closing down another meatball cart. No, you're right. But, you know, I will say in the past two years, we've seen a lot of uh, vegan stores open up and some that were already open expand. Um, and, and they're actually doing really well. I mean, we know that they are because there's more opening all the time. And this, this town is a vegan hotspot. You've been to Canteen, right? Canteen's a great place. Yeah, uh, Brian started with one cart. Uh, got a second cart, and then he found that property, which is a on, great on property. Stark, right on, around the corner from Ken's. I think it's Stark Ken's and 28th. Yeah, Stark yeah, right near Ken's. Right. And uh, what they do is really nice. They do healthy bowls, and they do great uh, juices. And the juices are what made him. His food cart is called Sip. Mm-hmm. And the original one is just tiny, and they've been very successful. That's located right in front of People's Co-op. So how many uh, vegan food carts do you do you know are out there? Do you have a, a guess? Well, as far as all vegan, 100% vegan food carts go, mm-hmm. as far as I know, there's there's two, maybe three. That's um, interesting in a town. Carts. Restaurants? Uh, there's quite a handful. A lot of them do vegan and uh, omnivore items as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they're selling meats or cheeses perhaps. And, and focusing mostly on vegan, but like Vita Cafe, which has been around for a long, long time. I mean, they actually sell turkey burgers, I think. But, um, but really, their focus is, is vegan dining, healthy, healthier options. And they have a fine dining place now, too. That's fantastic. So, so, I haven't been there yet. Well, let me ask you uh, not to change. I'm not changing the subject. I'm just kind of moving off to the side a little bit. That's okay. Um, you know, you're a meat lover. You're doing... Uh, fantastic meat, faux meat food. Do you ever see yourself the day where you go, all right, I'm not going to be a vegan anymore. I'm going, I'm going to, I only live so many more years anyway. Let me, uh, let no, me... no. Cause I already so did. I did that. Life? Yeah. I did all that. I've already eaten all the best foods, uh, animal wise that there are. I mean, when you're a chef, and then when you work for well, Cisco and you're a chef, yeah, but it's you really like get to travel, eat whatever you, you want. have to sustain yourself every day. So it's a little it can be challenging. Yeah, I would imagine it's a little challenging. But it, you know, it's becoming really more mainstream. I mean, really, look at Veggie Grill, look at uh, Native Foods. These are chains that are only opening up in the burbs, and now there's one downtown Portland, I think, uh, a Veggie Grill. But really, their focus is. Uh, mainstream America. And I think they're getting, there's more press. I noticed 
Tons the of March press. issue of Bill Portland, Portland Monthly, you just got a shout-out on your sandwich. Yeah, they've been Allison really good Jones. to me. They've given me a couple shout-outs on that same sandwich. I wish they'd recognize a couple of the others once in a while, but still, it's still I, I'm very appreciative. I just read that article. I didn't. I remember they called me, and I kind of forgot all about it, and then somebody said, hey, did you see this? And it's kind of like a, it's a sandwich voting thing. What is the, uh, what's the sandwich oh, that you don't want to talk, that you don't want to focus about? What's... Um, which, what's the sandwich? Oh, it's the slow smo mofo. Okay. And you can determine for yourself what that actually means. And, uh, it's a great sandwich. What's in it? Uh, it's smoked soy curls and with smoked soy curls. Okay. Soy curls are a rehydrated product. They come from Butler foods here in Oregon and the beans are grown right here and the product is made right here. And what he does is he makes a paste and he extrudes it like you would pasta and out come these strips of soy and then he dehydrates them and when you open a box it could, looks kind of like kind of like dehydrated chicken sort of mm-hmm. not really but kind of it's the best way to describe it so i reconstitute it with my own recipe and then uh and then we smoke it and it's a great item uh the slow smo mofo was a shout out to a traditional pulled pork sandwich uh you know it's it's got that kind of texture of pulled pork sorta uh not quite the same but fairly close and the barbecue sauce and the slaw on it i mean really that's as traditional barbecue as you can get and so how many how often do you get people who are who are omnivores or carnivores i'm sorry who Eat that sandwich and say, I, I, I'll have this more often. Because you've obviously got two, two market segments. You've got vegans and you've got people who are trying, correct? Omnivores are our favorite customer. When they come up, because they're not carnivores, because most people do eat some sort of plant substance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe very little, but some. And, uh, but anyway, they're our favorite people, especially when they enjoy their meal and they come up. And, you know... There's a couple on Yelp, and my favorite one ever was this guy who's just a barbecue junkie, and when he saw it was vegetarian barbecue, he didn't expect it was going to be good, and but he just wanted to try it so he could go, yeah, this is just a joke, right? And he absolutely raves about us, you know, loved it, said, I'll put it out there with any other barbecue around. So the marketing message is not only for vegans to try homegrown smoker but it's It's really anybody should we have something for everybody right absolutely you know our mac and cheese kids love our mac and cheese there's no cheese in it we call it mac no cheese uh my pastrami is a killer reuben my ham h-y-a-m which we make with yams and gluten is maple and ginger glazed and makes a killer club sandwich when we use it with beyond meat chicken if you haven't tried Beyond Meat Chicken, try it. It's crazy. It's made with soy and pea proteins. Looks, feels, and tastes like I remember chicken to look, feel, and taste like. I haven't eaten it in five or six years now. So, But as far as I remember, it, that's chicken. And as a matter of fact, when they sent me the sample and I tasted it, I was just like, uh, they sent me chicken. It's not. It's plants. It's pretty amazing what they're doing with plants nowadays. And And... They're relying on, not they, who's they, but but it takes people like you to take that product and put it into a form that's attractive and tasty and yeah. and not uh, not a 
bastard cousin alternative, uh, something that's wonderful unto itself. Well, that's how I always look at it. I never look at our products as alternatives to meat. I just think that's silly. It's alternatives to textures and flavors that we grew up with and loved. Everybody grew up eating mom's grilled cheese sandwich, mac and cheese, baked beans, coleslaw, maybe some barbecue, certainly a bunch of the sandwiches we do, you know. Everything we do is traditional. I have a Cobb salad on my menu. Very traditional, very typical of many pub menus. <laughs> and, but that's what we go for. We are trying to say, hey, here are the comfort foods that you loved as an Omni growing up. The only difference is, is we just don't use animal products in them. And we, you know, it's a, it, it has a lot to do with my own life choices, okay? But just I choose to, to put my compassion on my plate. I believe that peace begins on your plate. So there's a lot of death involved in eating animals and using animal products, and it's just something I no longer support. I'm not asking you to think the way I do, but I'm certainly asking you to give my food a chance and and judge it on its own merits. You know, that's one of the things that I have always respected about you because I have my food business, and I'm often posting shots of pork belly or whatever it might be, and, you know, a couple of times I know you've made, you've been, I know you've resisted making comments, but you've always been respectful of everyone else's food choices. Obviously, you know, I'm sure as a friend, you wish I would make more healthy choices, but you've been respectful and allowed me and other people to enjoy what they enjoy. And, and as you said, just ask them to, uh, to try something that might be a little healthier and maybe it'll catch on. Maybe it'll spark something and. Think outside of the box, as we all should do. And, you know, always strive for new things and new ideas. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the food cart business as a business. Yeah, uh, it's a for, tough business. Yeah. So uh, if you were, if someone came up to you today, and obviously it's an abstract question, but was considering, gee, I want to get in the food businesses. I, I think I'm, I have the money to buy a food cart or I can, I have most of the money to buy a food cart. What would you tell them? I tell them, think long and hard. Uh, make sure that you have a really unique idea and, and a value to, to the folks that you're going to be selling to. Try to know who your customer base is before you open and don't invest a lot of money. Uh, you, can, you can open a really quality cart, I mean, really, really well built for somewhere between fifteen and $20,000. And 20 would be super nice, okay? And uh, then you have to find location. And right now, I'm not sure what the latest count on food carts is. When I started, it was like just under 400, and that was in 09. And I believe we're over 900 now. And who knows, maybe close to 1,000. They're just everywhere. It's hard to actually count them. We had Brett on the podcast, and... What did he pointed at seven, seven hundred was. Yeah, it was somewhere around seven. But he, he said it was hard because some some are moving and some you they know. come and go. Right, exactly. And uh, you know, 
I wouldn't discourage people from doing it. You can make a living, especially if you have a concept that is easy to produce and you can basically do it on your own. You know, mine is very difficult to produce and it's very long hours. It's still barbecue. You know what? Just because it's plant-based, it still takes a lot of work and smoke time. Not near as much smoke time, but a lot of work behind it. And, you know, there's no way I could do it on my own. I tried. And uh, Did it just kill you? It, just, it just about physically killed, killed me physically and certainly emotionally. So then when you start adding employees that need to be paid, then what happens to the business model financially? Well, that's different because I have a different approach to business models than your average Joe. So um, what I came to recognize was I need employees. And I also recognize my many years as an employee, even in management, you're still an employee most of the time. And uh, I recognize that in our industry, wages haven't changed much in Portland since 1980. Really, they haven't, especially for back-of-the-house restaurant people. Stagnant is the word. Sous chefs are still being paid, depending on the quality of the establishment, anywhere from maybe $30,000 to $50,000. When I was a young chef in 1980, sous chefs made $24,000 to maybe, maybe thirty-five. So it really hasn't changed all that much. And cooks, cooks has always been between minimum wage and maybe ten to twelve dollars an hour. Now it seems like they're ten to about fourteen dollars an hour. At least that's what I'm getting. And it shouldn't be any different for food carts. So uh, this is my real first year with a staff to speak of. Uh, it's usually been me and maybe some help from family. And uh, it's different. But when I went into it, the very first thing I said to myself is, how are you going to pay these guys a living wage? Well, I'm, I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to look at it as, okay, I'm paying them, but I am going to pay them a decent wage because I'm not big enough to offer any kind of benefit factor whatsoever. So I owe it to my staff to make sure that they are at least making enough money to live on. And it's kind of a different, I don't know if it's a different way of thinking, but it seems to be. And that's that lately has been uh, on the forefront of politics, is that, is yes. that living wage. We, well, we, you know, for you, you're talking about it being stagnant for years. It wasn't discussed. And now it's uh, at least being discussed now. I don't know if we have It's, all, it's only a for good it. thing. Yeah. I mean, discussion of anything is only a good thing as long as there is open and real critical discussion. So, and, and yes. Uh, but it is political. And frankly, my just my food cart alone, just the fact that it's vegan is, is, is a political statement in itself. And that, that fits me as a person. And mm -hmm. when I went into this business, I was when I lost my corporate world job, which was a great job and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it really changed my whole entire way of thinking in life, and that has continued to evolve since 2008. It's really different and a real eye-opener when you start to want to do things on your own and when you want your business to reflect your really strong personal belief system, whatever, whatever that may be. 
And for me, that was, you know, a, a compassionate approach to food and lifestyle and, and eating. Do you think that's more common here in Portland than it is in other areas of the country? Portland's a pretty hip town. It always has been. Um, I think we've always thought a little bit more progressively than other cities. What I, what I always love about Portland to me is Portland is a large town, but it's always been a small city. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that analogy because we have a really strong sense of community, I believe, and uh, not just within the individual communities, but there is a connectedness there in the love of our city and our state. I, mean, I think both I of us I came here have, in 79 right, because both, it's beautiful. Both of us having come from the East Coast and, you know, being right in the middle of the Gold Coast, uh, the, you know, <laughs> the bastion of capitalism, Darien, Connecticut. Ah, uh, yes. And out here it's a completely different atmosphere. But what has impressed me the most and what got me into a food business was the community spirit, the camaraderie, the the – that everyone, sure, they want to make a living, and some obviously you have to be. If you're a good chef and you're you're running a great, you have to be competitive, and you have to care enough to be want to want to be better than somebody else. But here, everybody's rooting. It really seems like most people are rooting for others to succeed, and there's that community spirit. Everybody can make a living, and everybody should eat well. I think that's unique to Portland. You know, I'm taking a business class now just to kind of refresh myself of all the management skills I've left behind since opening my own business. And <laughs> nice it's quite after, an eye after opener. Five, five years, let me take stock. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Teacher sure likes to point me out as what not to do. <laughs> but that it was never funny. happened before. We were talking about competition when I first met with him. And, uh, you know, I've always been a of the adage that competition is there, is there really competition in the food service industry or is there support throughout because really when the Starbucks opens up next to your business your sales are going up when there's more vegan joints for example well I'll just use my favorite for an example in a city your options open up as customer base more people get the word, more people are going to come. They're not just going to come to your place. They're going to come to all the other people's places. It's a collective. It's not a competition. We all need to be successful, and we all need to support each other in our endeavors as people and as a community. And I think Portland does that, and that's what I, that's what I love about living here. Portland is cool. A lot yeah, of great people here. I, I think so, too. I mean, I, li- I was driving across the Hawthorne Bridge this morning, I just love that right lane and you see the bridge <laughs> and looking at Portland and thinking, I really, I said to myself, I love this city and it's not the buildings, but the building, you know, the geography is beautiful, I think, but the, the people, it's easy to love the city. And I don't remember living anywhere before where I felt that about where I lived, uh, the people I was with perhaps, but not necessarily where I lived. So in the uh, spirit of supporting i'd love to hear from you where you're where you would recommend people go who want to try some great vegan fare or even not vegan fare where what do you really love in portland as far as food well really i can't talk to not vegan fare anymore it's not fair of me to do so because i i no longer eat it 
visually, yeah, it's still very appealing. I mean, there's a lot of talented chefs, and when when I look at your stuff you do, I'm going, wow, that is so cool. Personally, I wouldn't support it myself. That's my own choice. It doesn't mean that that person's still not doing very creative things, and I admire it greatly. It's very true, food-wise. So, uh, but for me, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick vegan establishments or at least establishments that are offering vegan options and you'd be blown away by how many are doing that even old traditionalists like uh, Huber's I've heard they are offering vegan items now and I was blown away famous for roast turkey and Spanish coffees I think at Mm -hmm. least they were back in my day and uh, uh, Chef Gregory Gordet Gourdet, full vegan menu at his place departure. Uh, Portobello, Chef Aaron Adams, fantastic Italian food. I'm a gnocchi junkie. I used to go to Little Italy in New York City all the time as a young guy. I was going to the new school in New York for their culinary program before it was actually a culinary program, and and, uh, they were just starting it. And I'd go into Little Italy for a bite of gnocchi every single day time I was there and Chef Aaron makes the best I've ever had in this town so uh, and he's an all vegan Italian trattoria it's fantastic food Uh, my favorite burritos are at El Nutri Taco makes incredible burritos started as two food trucks now has a restaurant on Alberta used to be a laundromat where's that Uh, I think it's 22nd might be 21st Um, speaking of uh, a restaurant are you, how are you, I know you were seeking out some space. How's that going? Yeah, we did have a space that we had agreed on and uh, we agreed on the lease terms at first and then we really started going through the building. And the building is, it's a great location. It's a great building. It needs a lot of love. We couldn't quite see the amount of love balancing with the lease terms and you know leases are coming up more we and had more. to back away we just you know heard about wildwood we were having another conversation recently leases are coming up uh more and more i think we're hearing about lease problems more and i think it's probably because the economy's getting a little better and landlords are rents are high in portland right. let me just say this but the one on williams was actually quite affordable but it was the work the building needed balancing in a long-term agreement where the problems came into play for us. So we, we had to back out. Now we're focused on just really dialing in that cart and getting back in tune to, all, like I mentioned, all the management skills that I've been slacking on. we got to get those back in tune. So where do you see uh, in the, the improvement? We, we're assuming improvement on management skills. Um, where do you see that taking you in five years? Do you have a five-year vision for Homegrown Smoker? Oh, I definitely do. So the vision is to own our own place. We have a concept that certainly could be well-received anywhere. It's comfort food. It's family-oriented comfort food. And, uh, of course, it would do really well with a bar. (laughs) And uh, so our goal has always been to have a sit-down very casual, fun atmosphere restaurant. And and this is the town to do it in. And you're the guy. LA. I would love to go to your sit-down casual restaurant and your bar. 
Um, I think I went to your bar. It was the smoking area of Darien High School. <laughs> yeah, you years sure ago. did. I've been there. Yeah, it would be very similar to that. I can you I believe think. there was smoking? There was a smoking area at our high school, and there was never a controversy about it. This was in the mid seventies. Yeah. It's craziness, huh? And when you think about every time I think about it, I just think it's another world that that we were living in then. Well, we were. Yeah, we were living in another. It world. was you know if you watch Mad Men. I'm glad that world's you gone. You know, everybody's smoking and pregnant, and <laughs> but I just think about the fact that there was a, a sanctioned smoking area in hey, our high school. One of my favorite photos of my mother is her pregnant with one of us, I'm not sure who, and a cocktail resting right <laughs> on her huge eight-month belly, you know. I'm just like, wow, that says that says the 60s in a nutshell. I know. And, it's, and you know what? We're all, we're all, I think, relatively okay. I'm sure we were damaged in some form, uh, but we all made it. My mom was smoking and drinking, and, you know, my father's, you know. So anyway, uh, really great to have you. I'm... Uh, I, I really appreciate you having me. No, I was really looking forward to talking about someone I've, I've known for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a little out of my norm. Um, thanks. Let's. Uh, I hope you come back. I would we'll love to come again. back. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Maybe I won't be as goofy next time. I don't think you're goofy at all. I think we got to get goofier. Maybe that's a better idea. I think that's good. And let's go. Let's go grab something and get goofy at some point. Absolutely. Let's do that. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right, Chris. Appreciate it. So we should say that Jeff is on Twitter and Instagram at Homegrown Smoker. Very easy to remember, Homegrown Smoker. And those are some really lovely looking photos of vegan sandwiches that he does. I got to get out there and try it. And the the, uh, litmus test will be if my husband enjoys it or not, because he is not only an omni, as Jeff calls it. I love that term, an omni. Mm -hmm. But uh, he is a... Uh, highly supportive uh, meat eater. So. Well, uh, I think I've tried it. I'm a meat eater, and I have to admit, the first time I went to his food cart, I was I was doing it because he was my friend, and I thought I have to try this. But I was really pleasantly surprised. As I was eating it, I th- remember thinking, people need to know about this because it's not just for vegans. And there's nothing better than having a very hearty sandwich and at the end feeling good about it instead of crappy. <laughs> right. So, um, so no, uh, really nice to talk about Jeff and it's really cool that he does what he does and I really appreciate the fact that he's never been preachy because mm-hmm. um, there's certainly many opportunities he's had with me to talk about what I'm doing and, and as a friend, caring. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's very clear that... Uh, Everybody has their own right to do what they want to do. And well, and, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people who uh, want to just try vegan products, vegan cuisine, to appreciate it as another form of eating, as they would Indian food or Mexican or Thai or anything else like that. They just have never tried some of the items that are more prevalent in the vegan world and it's it's just like trying any other kind of cuisine um and i think there is a lot of creativity going on in that area right now and it's getting a lot more attention and um it's fascinating to hear how hard he had to work to get to produce food and items uh menu items that were tasty. It's not as easy as throwing uh, some pork in a pan. Right, right. You do have to, I mean, we 
didn't talk about this, but the manipulation that you do have to do to some of these products is, is definitely on par with what you'd have to do with, you know, a plain piece of chicken, which can be very bland, as bland as a chunk of tofu if you don't know what to do with it. Right. So, so it his, takes talent. His seasoning and spices are really key to what he does. And I think his passion. I don't think he'd be doing, uh, I don't think you could do it. I don't think he'd get up and do a food cart every day without uh, really feeling it. And you can see he's... To him, it's more than food. It's a lifestyle, and it's a political statement. Jeff's a political guy, yeah. and we kept away from politics a little, only insofar as we didn't go outside the food world. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, fun guy, and make sure to visit uh, Homegrown Smoker Barbecue up on Mississippi, um, and you can grab a beer up there, too, at Prost while you're at it.